The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, April 14th, if you're listening to this, and we have another quarterback profile to hit. It's, we're going to talk about Justin Fields with our good friend Tom Fernelli. Uh, in the feed, make sure to check out a profile for Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Coming up, we have Trey Lance, a, tra- a profile with Trey Lance, a profile of Trey Lance. With Emory Hunt. And then, of course, we'll talk Mac Jones with Ryan Wilson. Who else will we talk Mac Jones with? Uh, while agent. Yeah, that's right. Or yeah, it's like the only guy who likes Mac Jones more is than, than Ryan Wilson is, is Mac Jones. Um, by the way, the Champions League, uh, speaking of Tom Fernelli, if you want, make sure and check out, uh, the early edge podcast with, uh, Jonathan Coachman. Tom gets on there and talks about Champions League, which is down to eight teams. And after this week, that number will be cut in half following the second leg of the quarterfinal stage. If you haven't already, make the Kegolazo podcast your audio outlet for complete UCL coverage before and after the biggest matches, including PSG versus Bayern and Liverpool versus Real Madrid. Follow Kegolazo for premier picks and immediate recaps of all the action. Download anywhere you find this podcast. Tom, my good friend, for, 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 for how long have we known each other? 20 years? Oh, God, it's been at least 15. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's been 15 years. We got, I mean, AK and I, when before, well, we've been married for 10 years in June. Mm-hmm. And when we were dating, not engaged, just dating, we came to Chicago and got wasted in some downtown, <laughs> some downstairs bar with, um, the Billy Goat Tavern, the Billy Goat Tavern. That's right. The, the, the premier, the premier bar in Chicago for tourists. Um, <laughs> what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Ah, uh, I'm good. I've uh, been busy, been busy with the uh, NFL draft stuff coming up, Champions League going on, typical college football spring practice stuff. Just, you know, never a day off. You know what's nice is that it's a, it's the, the world is evolving and and the way that things are emerging, it's really playing up to us degenerates. <laughs> it's, it's 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 working out quite nicely. Um, but we're going to talk about some NFL draft stuff today. Again, make sure and check out uh Tom's work on the Early Edge podcast and his uh Kick Picks. Is it Kick Picks? Is that the name of the call? Corner Picks. Corner Picks, sorry. For the uh Champions League, you've been you've been doing really well with those and of course read him on all things football. I I was I was on I think it was Raleigh Radio with uh Adam Gold. And we were talking about Justin Fields, and I made the point that uh, a lot of times I think it's easy for in draft season to lose sight of the of real. I was like, you know, Chip. I said Chip Patterson and Tom Fernelli do a really good job of not losing sight of a good college player just because measurable season starts to pop up. And I think Justin Fields is probably this year's guy for that, right? Yeah, I, I feel like. Justin Fields has been really heavily scrutinized. And I was talking with Debo about this before the show. The way I will get into this, obviously, but the way I have my rankings or the prospect rankings for the quarterbacks in this class, 
I have Justin Fields closer to Trevor Lawrence than I have any other QB in this class to Justin Fields. And Mm. it's been really interesting for me just to watch the typical cycle of how all this stuff works where some certain guys get picked apart, certain guys get pumped up as the next great thing. And I'm just sitting there like, all right, if you want to take Zach Wilson or Mac Jones before Justin Fields, you go right ahead. I'll gladly take Justin Fields. Yeah, uh, so the prospect, we, you know, we talk about, we like to break him down. He's 6'3", he's 227. He's built quite well. He ran a 4'4", 4'40", dash at the Ohio State Pro Day. He has 9.125 inch hands. He was a five-star recruit coming into college, a two-time Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, a 2019 second team All-American, and a 2019 Heisman finalist in 2020. In eight games, obviously a shortened season, which he banged the table to, to play in the Big Ten. He completed 70% of his passes for 2,100 yards, 22 touchdowns, six picks, and had 383 rushing yards and five scores. Completed over 64, 68% of his passes for his career, 5,700 passing yards, 67 touchdowns to nine interceptions. Not bad. 1,100 rushing yards and 19 rushing touchdowns. It's quite the resume. And it's, again, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, I know he, I mean, he doesn't have a, full four-year career to look back on, but I was sort of down on, on Justin Fields in, in just in terms of, I thought he struggled against the Blitz a little bit, and I wondered how he would do again. I, I didn't think he would do that well against a Brent Venables coach defense, and Ryan Day and Justin Fields ate Venables lunch in the playoffs, and Fields was so, so impressive in that game. He showed his ceiling. He did it with broken or some sort of inner internal body bodily injuries. I thought a kidney might fall out at some point. Um, you know, what do you, when you look at fields, what do you think his biggest strengths are? What I love about fields is a, like you mentioned that Clemson in the, in the semifinal taking that hit and it was a, Big hit. He could, he had to have broken a rib, maybe damaged a spleen, whatever. I mean, Skolsky got tossed and, yeah. and, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was he, got speared, he got speared in the kidney pretty much. And oh yeah. We ended up arguing about that hit actually. And it, it you're right. It was a, anyway, we don't need to, to re, <laughs> relitigate that. Keep going. It sorry. A, it was a dirty hit, but anyway, so fields, <laughs> he stays in the game and he plays well. So there's obviously like the toughness of him, which you have to have in a quarterback. And I think it's something that's often overlooked because you're going to be playing in pain because you're getting hit all the time as a quarterback, no matter where you play. So I think that's a big thing. But for me, what I love about Justin Fields is not just his size and his speed. It's, the accuracy on his deep balls, when I look at the other quarterbacks in this class, that is the one thing to me that truly stands out that separates him from the rest of the crowd because he's able to not just hit his receiver down the field. He's able to put the ball in a right place where even when his receiver is covered, he knows where to put the ball so that only his receiver can get it. And granted, having a guy like Garrett Wilson, who's 6'3 and can, you know, leap out of the stadium doesn't hurt when it comes to that kind of thing. It's just he's got terrific ball placement to beat the defense down the field. I love that. I think that's obviously a huge thing that would help him going forward in the NFL. I think that if there's any knocks on him, it is at times that you you mentioned the uh, taking the blitz. I do think at times he holds onto the ball too long because he trusts his arm. And I think that gets him in trouble under a blitz where he's thinking, okay, I could still get this out if I just wait another second for this guy to come open. I can get it there. And I think that at times it's a knock on him because you mentioned that speed that you ran the 4 4 40. Of course, at a pro day at your own school, take those times for what they're worth. You could probably. Uh, yeah, attack on like somewhere between 0.15 and 0.5 for, yeah. the, for the actual speed. But he, he's very fast. I mean, he's, he's running a like very a very fast guy. He's a, he's a legit 4 or 5 guy, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's, so, and sometimes I wish he would run more 
Like, I wish he would take advantage of it more. Like, I, I, you see a lot of guys get labeled as dual threats, and the concern with most of them is that they run too soon. Sometimes I don't think Justin Fields runs soon enough, but I think that's gotten him in trouble times. So I think that is something particularly in the NFL will have to be ironed out. Like, he's going to have to use his legs. It's it, it in that way kind of reminds me a little bit of Russell Wilson where, yeah, I could run, and maybe I can get a first down, but I could also just kind of scramble around and wait for somebody to break open down the field and make a big play. So – that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just sometimes it will get him in trouble. There's a, a, a heated debate on uh, draft Twitter right now. That actually, I think it spilled over into Good Morning Football on on Tuesday morning because Peter Schrager referenced an article from Benjamin Solak of the DraftNetwork.com in which Ben went and looked up. You know, people are like, Justin Fields doesn't get to his second read. He only stays on his first read. And Ben, when it looks, he's like, actually, he gets to his second read more than every other quarterback in the draft class. I mean, and and that's sort of what you're talking about, too. Like, if this guy with this speed and these legs wasn't getting to his second read, he'd be be running (laughs) or he'd be dead. Right. Yeah, he's in the ground or he's running. I mean, right. Well, see, that's the thing, too. That is my one of my favorite things about when we're evaluating college quarterbacks is like, "Eh, he doesn't get to the second read. He's not good at going through the progressions. There aren't any college offenses that are asking quarterbacks to make three reads. Right. right. This isn't the NFL where the quarterback is allowed to show up at the facility at 5 a.m. and stay there until midnight and then go home for a few hours and come back and just crush film and crush the playbook. There's a very limited amount of time that college coaches get to spend with the players under the rules. So they simplify the absolute hell out of the playbook and the plays. So for most quarterbacks in most offenses – if you're Justin Fields, it's one read, two read go at the most. I think that Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence through their career have shown more of an ability to get to the third read than any of the other quarterbacks in this class have. So as far as that article and that debate, I would agree. I think Justin Fields is much better at re- going through his progressions and than any other p- quarterback in this draft besides Lawrence. That said, I do think that sometimes, like I said earlier, he hangs on to the first read a little too long. He's okay. a little too trusting of his guy. Maybe that's, maybe that's a better way to phrase it then instead of like he doesn't get to the second read. It's, and, and you know, I, I think the argument too is like, look, when you're playing at Ohio State or Clemson, your first read is it's usually open. And he, yeah, I mean, he's got a great matchup. Like he's getting yeah. like, you know, he's like, and no offense to, you know, my alma mater, but I mean, it's like, you know, it's like DeAndre Hopkins against NC State's second quarterback or something. You know what I mean? Or like, or like some dude in Boston College is wearing new balances now. I mean, like it's, you know, it's, it's, you're, these guys are getting open. So I think that's an interesting way to phrase it, Tom, is that it's not that he doesn't get to the second read. It's that he is expecting the first read to be open mm-hmm. 75% of the time. And when it's not, he's going to wait and wait and see if he can and then try to squeeze in a tighter window, maybe. Yeah, and it's kind of works against it because if you look at the team, the players that they play with, Ohio State, you could make the argument that aside from Alabama, had the best receiving core in the country. Sure. Clemson, they had a lot of talented guys at the receiver position, but they didn't, that a lot of that talent hasn't really come through since, you know, like Nuke left and, you know, Sammy Watkins. They had those guys a few years ago, Mike Williams. They haven't really had him in recent years. Maybe, maybe T. Higgins, but. So in a way, Trevor Lawrence has been forced to go through reads more because his first read has tended to be covered more often than in Justin Fields' first read, whether it's Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson or somebody of that nature, because that guy's usually open right away. And right. He's just making the throw. And, and, I mean, you're talking about an offense designed. I mean, these offenses by design, like Urban My- Ryan Day's running Urban Meyer's offense. This isn't a mm-hmm. slow, like, it's not, you know, it's not designed to, like, 
deep nine routes down the field. I mean, you know, the guys are running vertical, but you know, there, there's, you want guys underneath who are going to work in space. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, it is, it's, tr- it, we were talking about this with Trey Lance, with Emory Hunt and, and the podcast will come out soon, but it's like, it's difficult to pull a prospect out of his environment. And if, like, that's the hardest part about all this is to strip away all the, um, the, I guess the X factors and to, to try and identify these guys side by side. But I mean, the bottom line is Justin Fields was really productive, is a freak athlete. And, you know, I mean, it, he doesn't have a ton of weaknesses, right? No. I mean, this is a, he was what, 6'4, 6'3, 6'4, 4540, big arm, accurate down the field. In most any season, this is the number one pick. Yes. But he just happens to be coming out at the same year as Trevor Lawrence. And then, since Trevor Lawrence is pretty much the, you know, anointed number one pick, we all know Jacksonville's taking him. People don't really pay as close of attention to Trevor Lawrence. They start breaking down everybody else and they start nitpicking. And you look at just the field, it's like, well, he played poorly against Indiana. I don't know if we could trust him. He had a bad game and that knocks him down. And meanwhile, this is something else I've talked about too. When it comes to evaluating quarterbacks, we tend to look for the next something. Sure. Like for years, it was we're looking for the next Peyton Manning. We're looking for the next Tom Brady. Now we're looking for the next Patrick Mahomes. So a guy like Zach Wilson comes along Mm. and Zach Wilson makes off platform throws and he he extends plays. He does all these crazy things. And it's like this guy has Mahomes like qualities. So that's what you see. What you ignore is that he was doing it against nobody. (laughs) Like BYU played, according to Sagarin rankings, BYU played the 104th most difficult schedule in the country last year. Only 127 teams played. (laughs) <laughs> and he's throwing to receivers who are open by 10 yards every single time, which makes it really easy to look accurate. And if you look at Zach Wilson's, you know, 2019 and 2018 seasons, same quarterback, not the same numbers, not the same opponents. So I, I, I feel like Zach, I, and I, I feel like people think I hate Zach Wilson. I don't. It's just, I don't understand the hype around him because I think people are just looking at the results against really inferior competition. And then they're taking Justin Fields who has, He's better than Zach Wilson from a physical standpoint and from, you know, you break him down as a prospect, just arm strength, all that stuff. He's better than Zach Wilson and all that. But because he played poorly in a couple games against much better teams than anybody Zach Wilson faced, people knock him for it and they start dragging him down. It's just, it's, it's a wild thing to watch. Yeah. The only BYU loss last year, of course, to Coastal Carolina, the only ranked team they played. And it was no offense to Coastal Carolina, Coastal Carolina. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if this is, it's Texas State, you know, at Houston, I guess is a tough game, but not, you know, about defense, Louisiana Tech, UTSA, uh, the Hilltoppers, not, not, not a ton of, not a ton of, uh, Alabamas on, uh, this schedule. All right. Let's take a break and we come back. Where will Trevor Lawrence, I mean, where will just, tre- where will Trevor Lawrence? Number one. He'll go number one. <laughs> he's going, he's going to Urban Meyer number one. That's right. Where will Justin Fields go? Coming up next. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous 
trip. Maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid. I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. Actually, I forgot to ask you. I keep forgetting to do this. The, um, if you were thinking about like, and I don't like pro comps per se, I think that the way I mentioned Danny Kelly does it really well, like shades of, if you were sort of looking at, you know, how you would compare, uh, Justin Fields to, you know, current former, uh, pros, who would you, who do you, who do you think he reminds you of? You mentioned Russell Wilson once already. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of Russell Wilson to him in that. I, like I said, I, I think he could run more and I think that sometimes he's not as willing to run as maybe he should be because, you know, he, he trusts his arm and he knows, especially like with Russell Wilson, some of the receivers they've had in Seattle, he, he knows if he dances around for a while and that guy's going to break free and he could chuck sure. it down the field to him. Justin Fields can do the same thing. And because of that, he also reminds me a little bit of Dak Prescott in that. Ooh, I like that. These are all quarterbacks that, you know, they get the dual threat label. But these are guys that they can run, but they would much rather stay in the pocket or if, you know, get out on like a bootleg kind of stuff, that's fine and get the throw. But I just, I think the difference is he's more Russell Wilson in his downfield passing, whereas I think Dak is a better passer underneath than Justin Fields is. Like I think Justin Fields' accuracy is terrific downfield. It gets spotty sometimes on the shorter stuff where there's more precise windows. And I worry, I think that's going to be something to work on, but he does have the arm strength. So I think that, you know, if, if Josh Allen can suddenly develop accuracy, I think Justin Fields can too. So I, so it's kind of like a blend of Russell Wilson and Dak in their approaches, in their abilities. I think he's got the size more of Dak, but the approach more of Russell. I, I like that. That's a good, that's a good blend. Obviously we're talking about ceiling here. I mean, you know, you know, that's, yeah. if this you get a blend, case. right. If you get a blend of Dak and Russ, you're doing, you're doing pretty good, but it does. I, I always think like I try to close my eyes and visualize what, who, and I see you, I can see the Dak, you know, the Dak sort of like the physicality being similar, but I, you're right. The, the, like you see those deep balls, like the one that he hit on, it's the, the one it was the, I think Clemson like scored to cut it close and then he just mm-hmm. went up top and you're like, oh, this game's over. Like the Clemson, they win in this game. Not with Justin Fields throwing these bombs and he just spot on deep ball accuracy. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah that's Chris Alave in stride over the deep middle. Just yeah. boom, game over. Yeah. And it's not like, I mean, yes, NFL cornerbacks will have a more difficult, t- you know, it's more difficult to throw against NFL cornerbacks, but like Alave's an NFL talent and you know, I mean, he, he's going to beat guys deep. Uh, all right. So when we look at the draft. I can't imagine that you have you sold yourself on the idea that Mac Jones is going number three overall, or do you think that it's possible, as I have suggested numerous times on this podcast, that the that the 49ers are and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are worried if they were to fawn over Justin Fields that he might end up going second overall. And so they're creating the world's most elaborate and potentially unnecessary smoke screen involving Mac Jones. I hope it's the latter. Because it's, it's strange because like before the 49ers moved up to the number three spot, 
And this is, you hear everybody talk about how like, oh, this guy would be a great quarterback in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And it's a compliment to Kyle Shanahan because there isn't, there really isn't a quarterback that couldn't work in his offense because he's got a very good offense and he, he can mold it to his QB. But I really do look at Justin Fields and the stuff that he does and say, man, this is the perfect Kyle Shanahan quarterback and no disrespect to Mac Jones because I remember, Last this time last year on the Cover Three podcast, when Barton was when he was still there and he hadn't left for Vandy, it was me, Barton, and Chip. And Chip Anchor and Barton, down. <laughs> Chip and Barton were basically handing the Alabama job to Bryce Young, who's the five star phenom freshman coming out of high school. And I had to pump the brakes. I was saying, Well, guys, listen, Mac Jones was a highly rated four star out of high school. He's played really well in that offense when Tua was knocked out in his absence. I wouldn't just give the job away. I think Mac Jones is good enough for he's going to hold on to that gig and Bryce Young's going to have to wait his turn. And that's exactly what happened. And now that said, I did not think Mac Jones would at any point be considered a top three pick in the NFL draft. I still think that it should be Justin Fields over Mac Jones. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if the 49ers are kind of doing that smokescreen because I like Mac Jones a lot. I love what he, I love his accuracy. I love his decision making and his quick decision making. But the fact of the matter is, Devontae Smith somehow was wide open every single play. And I, I think we overlook how good of a job Steve Sarkeesian did with that offense and with the RPOs, just the way the plays were designed. And the fact that there are so many weapons on that offense that you can't really just focus on one guy and take him away. So teams couldn't just take Devontae Smith away. When Jalen Waddle was playing, they couldn't take Jalen Waddle away. They couldn't take Najee Harris away. They couldn't take Jaleel Billingsley away. And I think Mac Jones really did benefit a lot from that in that his receivers, there's always somebody wide open. His first read was usually wide open every single play. And I think that when you just, you take that away, cause you can make the same argument about Justin Fields. And then you look at their body types and their athleticism and their arm strength. And Justin Fields checks every single box when you put them side by side and break it down that way. So I think Fields is the better option. I think the Jets are morons if the Jets don't take Justin Fields at number two. Mm. So if the 49ers don't take him at number three. I think they're morons too. <laughs> well, but sorry, so here a couple, I'm going to do a counterpoint and an agreeing point really quickly. I think the counterpoint is that Kyle Shanahan's offense gets it right open too. And like, mm-hmm. you don't have to be a genius to know, like, actually I take it back. Maybe, I mean, you don't have to be a superior athlete to get the ball to Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, who are great after the catch guys, George Kittle, of course. I mean, like, you know, you're, you're asking whoever your quarterback is as Kyle, uh, Kyle Shane is asking whoever his quarterback is to simply make the right decision and be accurate and not be a dummy. And you don't have to be a great athlete. Now, of course, you want to be able to get out of those boots and, and, and do the stuff that you do in the Shanahan offense. But I mean, Kirk Cousins can do it. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo can do it. Um, you know, Matt Ryan can do it and they've all done it very well. So I think that would be the argument that Mac Jones makes sense. I also think. Daniel Jeremiah had a phrase that I heard him say after the trade where he's like, Kyle Shanahan, he hears Kyle Shanahan wants a joystick. You know, he doesn't want this. Mm-hmm. He, he, he wants a guy. He basically, he like, you're going to do what I tell you to do. You know, you're sort of like what we heard from, from McVeigh and Jared Goff where, you know, tell me what you're seeing. I want to tell you what's going to work. And then, you know, we're going to run the play. This is going to be like Madden. Uh, the counterpoint and that the whole idea with that smoke screen thing, um, the counterpointing myself, I guess, is that, like, as you point out, and as, I mean, and I agreed with you. I mean, I agreed with you the whole time. Like, Justin Fields was always the number two guy. It, it was not until after the season that Zach Wilson and Mac Jones leapfrogged Justin Fields. And Kyle Shanahan, by virtue of 
who is working in New York now with Robert Sala um, and Mike LaFleur, he has intel in New York about who they're going to take. And so it wasn't until they decided, based on what we know, what you hear around the league, until they decided to move up and take Zach Wilson, or until they decided to go with Zach Wilson and trade Sam Darnold, that's when San Francisco went to three. And that's right. what I think is kind of interesting, because I wonder if they would have made the trade if Justin Fields was going third, second overall. Probably not. And I, if you want a galaxy brain to follow on Jeremiah's, what if Kyle Shanahan realizes that, while it's not right away, we're going to a place where eventually the way that the NFL is working, the way that the rules have worked, and the kind of minds that the offenses that they're being able to design, at one point, quarterbacks are going to be just as replaceable as running backs are. Mm. And he's looking at his situation. He's got Jimmy G, who's a perfectly acceptable starting quarterback, and who's put up good numbers in his offense when he's healthy. And he doesn't want a franchise quarterback. Are you, are like you suggesting said, that he's going to churn rookie, rookie contracts? Mm-hmm. He's going to churn rookie contracts so that way to keep cap space for the rest of the roster. And then he'll draft Mac Jones and Mac Jones will come in and he'll put up Kyle Shanahan quarterback numbers. Then they'll move on from Mac Jones and they'll bring in somebody else. He'll put up Kyle Shanahan numbers and so on and so forth. Whereas if Justin Fields shows up and Justin Fields is like a legit franchise QB, mm. you can't really move on from that. Interesting. So, that's just a galaxy brain of where I think the NFL is eventually going, and maybe Kyle Shanahan's a little bit out of the curve. Someone, and the problem is you have to have job security to do this, and this is obviously a different topic, but probably something worth exploring in the offseason. Like, people have been talking about this with McVay or Shanahan for a while. It's like, stop giving these guys $25 million a year. Draft one every three years, and when, and then just like, no, we're done. We're not giving you a contract. You know, you get your rookie, like running backs. Like, no. We're going to franchise, we're going to, you know, if our next guy's ready, then you're going to get your fifth year option and we'll see you. And if he's not ready, we're going to franchise tag you one year and then we'll go to the cheap guy next. And it is like, even with the salary cap booming, you know, you look at, listen to what Joe Douglas said about Sam Darnold. Like we want to reset our financial clock with Zach Wilson. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it makes a ton of sense. That would, that is that is a galaxy brain for sure. And that's why the Bears are the smartest franchise in the NFL because they know <laughs> just never have a good quarterback and you don't have to worry about paying them. You could just get Andy Dalton. <laughs> Maybe that's what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz. They're doing the right yeah. thing, right? Yeah. All right. So if his ceiling is three and I, I now let me ask you this because you're, you know, you, you're a gambling man. Uh, do you think it's worth the sprinkle on Justin Fields to go third overall at plus money? Yes. Okay. What plus one fifty or plus two hundred? What do you need for it to be worth it? I would go plus anything. So if you can give me plus one fifty, that's fine. Okay, he's plus two hundred at William Hill as of yesterday. I haven't looked. Take today. it, take it, uh, take it. And the other thing too about these draft props is, like, unless it's like you know, Zach Wilson was minus two fifty and now he's like minus seventeen fifty. I mean, you know, the minus two fifty. If you want to lay it, lay it. You know, when the rumors start. But like, if 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 this is going to be one of those situations where the rumors flip everything in the next two weeks, you get Justin Fields plus two hundred now, and you might get Mac Jones plus two hundred the day of the draft if you wanted to hedge out, or if it or if, yeah. the, or if everything wild, slides wildly. All right, so if the Forty ers are a ceiling in terms of the draft, what do you think is Justin Fields' floor in the draft? I would have a hard time seeing him fall out of the top ten, but that changed when Carolina, you know traded for Darnold. So I think that we could still see, like, if Justin Fields starts sliding, I think there are a number of teams that will very happily be willing to trade up in the top 10 to get him. I think the Patriots could trade up to get him. 
I think, although they might just rather have Jimmy G at that point for mm. what, like a third rounder you could probably get him for at that point or whatever they gave up for him to begin with. The second rounder. Right just give me that, give me that second yeah. rounder back. Yeah. Yeah. They send the third rounder back and they say, we won the trade. But, uh, <laughs> I think, I mean, any team in the, I think the bears, uh, you know, it's funny because like the bears have been very vocal about how Andy Dalton's their number one QB since the signing, but the bears were saying the same things about Mike Lennon. And then That's they true. traded up and they drafted Mitch Trubisky. So very disrespectful to draft a UNC guy after signing an NC state guy. It, it is. It's very true. It's like an extra slap in the face. Oh, yeah. And remember, Lennon Mike, was at the they draft sent party. Mike to the draft party. What an a-hole Ryan Pace is. I know. God, unbelievable. But, I still think the Bears are in play for a quarterback. And I think that if Justin Fields began slipping down, they would very much consider. I mean, Ryan Pace has never met a draft pick he wasn't willing to trade. And with his job already kind of on the line, maybe he'll see this as a way I could buy myself some time. If I'm able to move up and get Justin Fields and he has a promising rookie season, I can get a contract extension out of that. So I still think the Bears are in play. Is there any other team that feels like they could upgrade at the quarterback? I think that if Justin Fields isn't one of the top three picks, he's likely to still go in the top ten by somebody trading up there to get him. Or yeah, maybe I, the Broncos. I agree with that. See, I think what's interesting is that if he does, I mean, he could easily go to four. Like the Falcons could take him. You know, the Falcons yeah. Falcons could be under the impression that Kyle Shanahan is going to take him three, and you know, uh, it, it all depends. Obviously, depends on what the 49ers do. I mean, if, but if they take Mac Jones, as is the you know odds on favorite in Vegas, and as the rumor around the league, you know. States. I mean, let's say they go Mac Jones at three. The Falcons will have a, a tough choice whether they go, you know, Justin Fields or or in a different direction. I know some people haven't taken Trey Lance to sit behind Matt Ryan for two years. Um, I I don't think the Bengals are going to trade out of five, and I don't think the Dolphins will trade out of six. Now, if somebody blows them away, it's a different story. But the Bengals don't like to trade, and the Dolphins already moved back up from twelve to six, indicating that's sort of where they want to be from a numbers perspective. Detroit could certainly take him at seven. I, I think, I think Detroit, Carolina and Denver, one of those three teams, if Justin Fields is on the board, will take him. I, I think Carolina will be massively disappointed if Justin Fields is there at eight because they feel dumb as hell. <laughs> right. But now, you know, what's interesting, Tom, is that Carolina has not yet picked up Sam Darnold's fifth year option. And I don't think they have to do it until May. So in theory, they, you just paid, you know, a future second for a year of Sam Darnold, which is mm -hmm. dumb as hell. I mean, you know, it's when you could have gotten fields, maybe it's just insurance, but I, yeah, I can't see him getting past nine in Denver or as you say, somebody trading up. So I think four quarterbacks, you think four, how many quarterbacks go in the first round? Oh, how many should or how many will? I, how many will? <laughs> I'd say five will probably go. Okay. And I would say, I'd say three at both should. Oh, oh! So you don't have a first round grade on Trey Lance or Zach Wilson then, uh, or a first round grade? Yeah. Late first round grades on Wilson and Jones. Okay, all right. Uh, oh, Mac Jones is the guy that shouldn't go. Okay, gotcha. yeah, but yeah. again, it's when it comes to the NFL draft, like the actual draft grade of where a guy should go with quarterbacks is completely thrown out of the window. Indeed, it is. Um, all right. Yeah, Fields. Okay, Fields and Trey Lance are going to be the. I'm kind of getting excited about the draft now. I haven't been excited. Really, this offseason for this draft, except for that the one the 49ers trade, but Fields and Lance talking about him kind of had me sort of juiced up to see what happens when the uh, when the draft unfolds. Make sure to listen to the Cover Three podcast, listen to the Early Edge podcast, read Tom's many great gambling articles about all sports on CBSSports.com. Check out his mock drafts um, and uh, go Cubs. 
Just kidding. Go White Sox. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Always good to talk Thank to you. Thank you. Good to talk to you. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.